Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Uh, Y'all know I'm from Oklahoma originally, and um, so I am in very, very good spirits today. And I just want to pray for many of you that may be in mourning. Um, A good day. day. Uh, God bless you. My name is Joel. If we haven't met, I uh, really look forward to meeting you after service today. Um, It's a great church. We're glad you're a part. Absolutely, yes. We need help in kids ministry. We need help in our media team. There's lots of places we would love for you to get involved. Uh, One of the greatest ways for you to get the absolute best and most out of your church is to find a place where you can plug in and use the gifts God gave you uh, in your actual church. It's also one of the ways that you're going to make the most friendships and the deepest relationships. There's nothing like people that serve together, that, that, that get in there and get a little dirty together doing something great for God to build those kind of relationships. Uh, I met my wife serving in children's ministry. Praise Jesus, right? <laughs> Serving in kids ministry, serving in youth ministry, uh, that was the connection point for me. So I want to encourage you, if you're single, find a place to serve in children's ministry. <laughs> anyway, it's the best place to meet people is here at the church. Uh, let's pray. We're going to jump right in this today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I give you praise for all these wonderful people called by your name. God, we glorify you today, and we ask you to speak. Father, nobody's here to hear uh, creative uh, ideas from another human. We've got opinions everywhere. Father, we're here to hear directly from your mouth to our ears, to our heart. God, would you speak to us today, enlighten us, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to perceive the goodness, the greatness, the beauty of your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome all of you that are worshiping with us online. It's exciting that we have 40 of 50 states are watching online at Oaks Church. Isn't that incredible? We've got viewers all over the country, over 20 countries watching uh, Oaks Church now. God is using this little church in McKinney, Texas to do big things, and we're happy uh, to be used by God, and we're glad that you are here and you're with us. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called I Am. And we're walking through the statements of Jesus, the I am statements of Jesus. If you've missed any of these weeks, I would highly encourage you to go back and check them out, listen to them. You can find them on our YouTube page or our Facebook page, Oaks Church Texas uh, is where you can find that, oakschurch.com. Also, you can find those things. Uh, But plug in with us and get connected. These statements of Jesus are so important because when Jesus says, I am, he's declaring something powerful about his identity But when you truly understand that Jesus is to be our individual identities, anything that Jesus says I am is connected to who you are. Does that make sense? And so there is a personal I am statement for you that is connected to the I am statements of Jesus. Today, we're going to jump into one of the most powerful statements. It's really the statement I thought would be the finale of this series, but I've got one more that we're going to share next week. 
and we'll finish it up. And the Lord kind of pulled a little whoop to do on me this week. And I was so excited for this to be kind of the finale because there's a revelation that God showed me in my personal studies that I've never seen before in scripture. I've never heard anyone else teach it before in scripture. It's literally something that the Holy Spirit showed me and taught me that I've never told anyone or taught anyone ever before. And I'm excited to share it today with you. I believe with all my heart, it's going to open up your eyes uh, to understand a little bit more about who Jesus is, how incredible he is, and what he did for you. Many of you know that my initial career was not uh, in ministry work. In fact, doing church pastoral work is the thing I said from age five until about 25 that I would never, ever, ever do. I started in my first career at 14. I was uh, a martial arts student. I was training in a combat form of Taekwondo, uh, and I had a really great instructor. I was fortunate to be connected into kind of a lineage of, of world champion and what, people who would become uh, Hall of Fame martial arts instructors and, and, and competitors and practitioners. And so inside of this studio, I in a little town called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I was uh, in class one day, I was 14 years old, I was a freshman in high school, and my instructor, it was time for class to start, and my instructor, uh, the phone rang, he said, hey, Joel, get that call, I'm going to get the call, start the class, get him warmed up, I'll be right back. Well, 45 minutes later, the class ended, and I saw him peek out from the little blinds inside of his office and give me a thumbs up and do this. And I taught the next class too. I'm a freshman in high school, and all of a sudden I'm teaching the art that I'd been training in for a couple of years. And the next week he actually hired me, and I got to work for $4 an hour. The minimum wage was significantly higher than that at the time. Uh, but that was the beginning of my career. And by the time I was 16, I was running the whole studio at 17. I started my own studio at 19. I had investors uh, come in. And I had, uh, as a 19, 20-year-old, I had the most state-of-the-art uh, martial arts studio in our entire uh, federation. And it was an, really an amazing career. But the reason I'm mentioning that today is because the style that I trained in, Taekwondo, comes uh, from the word Kwan is kind of the central word in that. The, the style Taekwondo was formed out of nine Kwans. They took not, Kwan means way. It was the way of performing this art. And so there were nine different Kwans, nine different ways, and they combined all of those into one way called Taekwondo, the way of the hand and foot, and it became the supreme fighting art of that era. In the 1940s and 50s, it was the, the highest level combat uh, form that was trained to all of our military in its combat form. All of these Kwans put together, all of these ways put together. When our GIs came back from Korea, when our GIs came back from Vietnam, they were all trained in this deadly art of Taekwondo. Now you see it in the Olympics, and it's a water down sport, the original version of it was a killing art, um, and it was absolutely a state-of-the-art military, similar to what we see now with mixed martial arts. It's a combination of many different ways coming in to form a way uh, that's very powerful. But as an instructor, I had students that would come in, and uh, one of these students, you, when you work with thousands of kids over a, a period of a number of years, you begin to recognize instantly when a kid has what you call it. He's got it. And we had this kid come in one day. His name was Ever. Ever Ivan Trejo, a little 12-year-old kid from Chihuahua, Mexico. 
and, and, and ever comes in, and I'm talking, I'm teaching him his first class, and this was one of those little 12-year-olds with like pecs and chiseled abs, and when this kid would kick a bag, it would explode, and instantly, I'm like, oh my God, this kid has it. This could be the greatest student I've ever trained, and within a couple of months, I made ever a business proposition. Ever's uh, father had abandoned the family. It was his mom and him and his little sister living inside of a trailer in East Plano. And, and I said, Ever, listen, I want to offer you an opportunity, something I've never offered anyone else ever before. I I'm not going to charge you for martial arts lessons. I'm going to train you for free. I said, but here's the deal. I, I, I want you to understand that I'm not training you for free just to train you for free. I'm training you for free because I want to give you my life. I want you to have my life. I think you could be the next me. And I'm willing to train you and teach you the way that I do things because I think you've got that in you. And, and I wanna give you a career path for your life. And this 12-year-old kid dedicated his life to me and I dedicated my life to him and I had one requirement for him. He could only speak to me in Spanish. <laughs> and he had to make me understand. And he was not allowed to, me to, speak, to speak to me in English. And if he ever spoke to me in English, he understood that I would hit him. <laughs> now, this was the 1990s, and you could get away with this. This was before social media. No one's filming stuff on their iPhones. So I had a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old that if he would speak a word in English, I would crack this kid, and he would chuckle, and he would go back to Spanish. And dude, I forged this kid into one of the leanest, meanest, baddest little suckers. Man, he was winning tournaments. By the time I was done with him, he was giving me stitches. I trained this kid. But one of the things that he did when he was teaching me the way to speak Spanish is he was teaching me the way that they spoke Spanish on the streets of Chihuahua. And so at that time, there was a phrase that we used to use back in the 90s all the time when we wanted to tell someone that they were great, we would say, you the man. Remember that? You the man. You kids don't, know, don't understand that probably now, young, young folks or whatever, but if your buddy went and he said, hey man, I just got that girl's digits, you would say, you the man. Hey, I need to borrow 10 bucks. Okay, here's 10 bucks, thanks. You the man. So I asked Ever how to say, you the man. And he told me how to say it, and so I said it all the time. Now, I'm not going to say what he told me to say, because apparently what he told me to say has M's and F's and all kinds of other things in it that makes up the way that you say you the man. But I didn't realize that, so I said it everywhere I went. And so now I'm on a missions trip. In Nicaragua. And I'm interacting, and, and my Spanish had gotten pretty good, honestly. I, I, I was about as fluent as maybe a three- or a four-year-old. Um, I, could, I could find my way around anywhere. Other people would come to me to help translate. I had a, I had a toddler's or a, or a preschooler's dialect, and, and if I get down there long enough, a lot of it will come back, and, and it's, I enjoy it. 
but I knew just enough to get myself in a whole lot of trouble. So I'm speaking to this lady. She might as well have been a nun. She was like, I mean, she literally, she ran this orphanage and, and she was the holiest, most amazing, whatever. And I didn't understand some of the whatever. And, and, I, and I said it to her and her eyes got really big and I still didn't understand what I'd said. And, and then I said it to, some of you will remember this gentleman. He was this apostle, literally missionary apostle, uh, Pastor Ralph Holland. I said to Pastor Ralph Holland, you the man. In a, in a missionary pastor's conference in front of all these other pastors, and he turns around and he said, what did you just say to me? And I said, you the man, in Spanish, again. He goes, what do you think that means? I said, it, it means you the man. He said, oh, it means a whole lot more than that. I think you probably ought to not say that ever again. You the man. Statements like that are made to instill confidence. Statements like that are made to, to, to pump people up, to fire people up, to encourage people. Uh, when you say statements like that, I'm the man, people say, you, you watch football players and they, they, there's a big difference between a football player that makes this amazing catch and, and, and takes a knee and points to heaven and then the guys that are like, oh, right? I mean, it's like, you know, basketball, the same thing. There are people that, that self-aggrandize, they, they self-celebrate and it can become kind of obnoxious a little bit and can be seen as cocky and I'm sure none of you would ever think that maybe in my 20s I might have been mistaken as cocky, but but I, but I was. Always a misperception, never true, right? Uh, but I was. And, and, and we, we say things to pump ourselves up. See, I, I had a, a tremendous amount of insecurity in my, in my young life. I had a ton of insecurity. And guess what? I'm an adult, and, and, and adults still deal with insecurity. We all do. Adults deal with insecurity. It's just part of being a human being and part of being imperfect and part of recognizing that we're still flawed and we have issues and, and we got things to fix and man, we mess up all the time. We have insecurities. But a lot of times we would have these things that we would say to fire ourselves up, to pump ourselves up, to overcompensate for insecurities. And statements of encouragement are important. See, did you know that Jesus was misperceived oftentimes in seen as cocky? Jesus said some pretty cocky stuff if you don't understand the angle he's coming from. Jesus was standing in front of the temple and said, tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. This is a temple that at the time he was alive was in the state of being rebuilt by King Herod. It was 45 years into being rebuilt and wouldn't be finished for another 15 years. They thought he was absolutely the most arrogant jerk on the planet. Jesus was at the, the well with a, a woman that came to the well. And he asked her for a drink of water. She says, why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm, I'm a Samaritan. You shouldn't even be talking to me. You're a male. I'm a, I'm a female. You shouldn't be talking to me. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God... That's sitting here before you right now, you'd ask me for a drink and you'd never thirst again. Now, if that's not the best pickup line ever in the history of ever, and this is what well, you have to understand this is a woman with serious man issues. 
if you know the story, she was on her sixth man, sixth husband. And, and, and she perceived Jesus as being extremely arrogant. Jesus claimed to be the anointed one, the Messiah. But he said these things in truth because he was. And he said these things in truth to give us his confidence. See, it's not about really truly, it's not about self-confidence. It's about God confidence. We all have to come to a place where we recognize that it's not about how good we are. It's about how good he is in us because anything you have, you have from him. Anything good of you came from him. Any talent you have, any gift you have, any personality you have, it was a gift from him. You have nothing except from him. One of the statements Jesus made, potentially the most controversial and divisive statement Jesus ever made, he said in the book of John chapter 14, verse 6, this is a distinct statement. It's absolutely a line in the sand that changes everything. John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. That one statement is the most controversial and contentious statement inside of our Christian faith. Why, Joel? Why? Because that one statement nullifies every other religion, nullifies every other way, nullifies every other proclaimed truth, and nullifies any other perceived life. Jesus was literally saying, I am the only, the only. There, he literally said, there is no other way to the Father except through me. Guys, this is the most controversial, upsetting statement because everyone wants to believe that their way will work. Everyone wants to believe that a good, loving God wouldn't make just one way because that would be cruel. What about the people there? What about the people here? What about the people who never heard? What about the this? What about the that? And how could a loving God, guys, this is the argument. How could a loving God make it so difficult to get to him? Am I right? If you have Muslim friends, if you have Jewish friends, Hindu friends, any, any other belief system, having this conversation is a friend ender. Right? You, you, you tiptoe around. 
I, I mean, dude, I got, I'll be honest. I love Joel Osteen. I've met him. Some of you in here are like that. He does not preach the true gospel. How could you? I watched Joel Osteen give an altar call, and I watched 7,000 people stand up and give their life to Jesus. I was in the room. What have you done? Just saying. Just saying. It's called the sinners. He's called the people that would never listen to you. Oh, he's got, a, he's got a different approach. But there was one moment that I didn't like. And that's where he was being interviewed on national TV and they asked about Jesus being the only way. And he, and he, and he wriggled around. I didn't like that. I would have rather said, hey man, look, I, I'm here to preach the Bible. I, I'm here to preach the words of Jesus. This is the words of Jesus. You gotta figure that out on your own. My job is to preach the Bible and this is what Jesus said. And I believe what Jesus said. And you take it as you take it. And if that makes me judgmental, that makes me judgmental. But I'm just preaching Jesus, and Jesus is the one that you got to deal with. He's the only. But let me tell you how good he is. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe Jesus is so good that he reveals himself to people who have not had people reveal him to them yet. Does that make sense? And I've heard story after story after story after story. See, the only way, the Bible says that the way that you come to faith is by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the only way that people can come to faith in Jesus is to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus, put their faith in it and believe it. But did you know that there are people all over the world we have friends in Turkey and Syria that, that, that are working with these refugees, these Islamic refugees that, that are coming out of ISIS. They're being rescued out of all of these horrific wars in the Middle East. And these refugees are coming into these camps. And inside of these camps, the missionaries are beginning to tell them about Jesus and describe Jesus to them. And these Islamic child soldiers are saying, oh yes, oh yes, we know him. He revealed himself to us. He showed himself to us. We just didn't know his name. We've got missionaries that we support that have heard these stir stories by themselves, face to face. We have a, one of the guys in our, in our band, his family's in our church. His grandfather passed a few years ago. His grandfather was, was not a believer. He, he, he literally thought that people that needed faith and needed Christianity, that's just what they needed. It was a weak thing, and weak people needed that, but he didn't need that. It, it, he, was too, he was too intelligent for that. And then he got real sick, and then he slipped into a coma, and he was in a coma for 30 days. And the family was gathered around him. It's a true story. I, I officiated the funeral. Family gathered around him, saying goodbye. The father wakes up, grandfather wakes up, opens his eyes, takes a breath. He hadn't spoken in over a month. Says this, I have been such a fool. And then goes on to describe how Jesus had revealed himself to him in the coma. He gave his life to Jesus in the coma. And then he preaches Jesus to his family for 30 minutes, goes back into the coma and dies. Jesus is the only. 
Just because he's the only doesn't mean it's hard to find because he's just that dedicated. He's just that dedicated. God has the ability to release his salvation and to release his message. See, he's outside of time. He's not inside of our time structure. He has the ability to insert himself inside of time, reveal things to someone that is in a state of, of, of I don't know, whatever. And in that moment, a person can make a decision and find salvation. So you have two guys on the cross on either side of Jesus. One of them is berating him, ridiculing him. The dude is literally hanging from nails on a cross that is so wicked, he's berating and ridiculing Jesus. The other thief says, are you crazy? This man is innocent and asks Jesus to forgive him. A career criminal in the midst of corporal punishment, moments away from death, gasping for his last breaths. And in his last breaths, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. See, this is the part of Jesus that we don't understand. Because someone who can live incredibly evil for their entire life put zero effort into obeying God. Yet in their last breaths or last conscious moments, be rescued and find salvation. How incredible is that? It, it, Jesus taught the story of the, of the 11th hour of the, of the workers, the day laborers, that, that the master went out and hired in the first hour of the day and promised them a full day's wages into the third hour and the sixth hour. And finally, at the 11th hour, only one hour left in the work day, come and work, come and work, and then pays them for 12 hours when they only worked one. And the people that worked all day were angry, self-righteous. We've done all of this. We bore the brunt of the work, and they get the same as us. And Jesus in the story describes the master saying, why are you angry? Did you not get what was promised to you? Why would you be mad if I'm generous with what I have to give? Peter didn't like what, what Jesus told him. It would look like at the end of his life. Jesus said to Peter, hey, Peter, right now you get up and you stretch out your arms and you clothe yourself and you go where you want and, you, and you're large and in charge. But at the end of your life, they're going to stretch out your arms. They're going to take you where you don't want to go. Speaking of Peter's death, how he would die on a cross just like Jesus Peter's instant response was to turn around and to point at John, the beloved, and say, but what about him? <laughs> what about this little sucker, your little, favorite, your, little, your little favorite teacher's pet over here, head on your chest at last supper dinner? What about him? Jesus says, what's that to you? You follow me. You follow me. Come on, it's not about what somebody else gets. 
It's about you following your road, you following the way for your life that is Jesus, regardless of what happens to anyone else. Oh my gosh. There are some fortunate people out there, blessed people out there. Why can't I win the super lottery? I would do so much good for Jesus. My favorite thing to do is give stuff away for Jesus. Trust this brother up in here. I will do. I want to take you to a story of a young man trying to find the way, the truth, the life. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. You guys okay? We're good? As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is the way, essentially? Jesus' response, why do you call me good? Watch. Jesus answers, no one is good except God alone. There's no good in you. There's no good in me except God alone and what he put in us. Amen? Recognize that? It's not about confidence in how good you are. It's about confidence in how good he is in you. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I've done all of these things since I was a little boy. I'm good. I'm the man. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Oh, it's, that's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I hope you can imagine that. In the midst of your mess, in the midst of your self-deception, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your lack, in the midst of you answering the question wrong, in the midst of you moments from walking away from Jesus, he looks at you, he loves you. Looks at him and he loves him. One thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's not very encouraging. Some of you are like, whew, whew. good thing I'm not rich. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been frustrated because you couldn't figure out what to wear? You ever been uncertain because you didn't know what you were in the mood to eat? You ever been upset because 
The air conditioner wasn't working properly. Guys, these are all rich people problems. The poorest of you is the richest in the world. You understand that? You live in McKinney, Texas, Allen, Texas, Plano, Tescott, Frisco, Anna, Malik. You live in Collin County, most likely, one of the richest counties in one of the richest states in the richest nation in the whole world. Congratulations. You are rich. Go to Mexico. Pay attention as you're driving from the airport to the beautiful resort that you get to stay and eat beautiful food cooked by other people. And pay attention to the the villages on the way that are literally made of trash. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people living in trash. See, we're all, we're all the rich young ruler. Every one of us. Every one of us. We're all the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler was a, was a believer. Doing his best to follow the rules. Living in a place of privilege. Every one of us live in a place of privilege. Sure, it's different degrees of it. But every one of us, a place of privilege, you're Americans. Texans, are you kidding? That's even better. (laughs) And we all have a place where we can get real cocky about how good we live, how holy we are, how well we follow the rules, And we can be seconds from walking away when Jesus says, hey, 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 yeah, 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 good, you're doing good, you're doing good. Just one, just one more thing. Just one thing. See, the amazing and the beautiful thing is that Jesus is the one and only way. He is the one and only truth. He is the one and only life. But his requirement to you, David, It's going to be individual to you. Jill's is individual to her. Nate's individual to him. April's individual to her. Marquita's individual. He's going to say things to you, Chris, that are your requirements that you have to step up and live up to. And someone else right over there isn't. And now watch then you have to not do this. Huh. I mean, I live like this, and that preacher. Oh, I want to have, I, I have an Oaks Church truck one day. Wrapped, man, the whole thing, logo wrapped. <laughs> but then people will know how I drive. How many people would leave the church if they knew how I drove? 
how many people would think I was the worst of sinners? You should see me drive eating a chicken sandwich. It's a thing of beauty. We're all the rich young ruler. I'm going to take you to what I teased you with earlier of the revelation that Jesus taught me this week. And I'm going to ask you this question. What did Jesus really do? What did he really do? I'm going to take you to an illustration or a, a graphic that will show you what the original tabernacle looked like. The original tabernacle contained three parts. It had what was called the, uh, the outer court. Inside of the outer court, there was a big bronze basin that they would use to wash, and there was a big altar, a big burning altar that they would put the animals on, and they would burn and make the sacrifices outside. Then the next place was called the holy place. And inside of the holy place, there was the lampstand, the menorah that represented the seven spirits of God, the seven natures of God uh, represent or released to mankind. And it had uh, all of the flame burning, which represented the fire of God being alive inside of the people of God. It had the table of the presence that had the 12 loaves of bread on it that had to be fresh uh, every single day. And it represented the word of God that was released in the life to them. And then it had the altar of incense that was the burning uh, where the smoke and the incense and the smell and that was the picture of the Holy Spirit and this was the holy place and then there was this curtain right here this veil right here that separated uh, another room called the Holy of Holies which was a really really great album by Led Zeppelin and inside of this room there was this Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant had three components to it so we see a building with three components we see a holy place with three components And then we see an ark inside of that place that had three components. It was a box, a golden box, a couple foot wide, a few foot long. It had these poles of gold that were used to pick it up and carry it. You could never actually touch the box. When they had to travel with it, they kept it veiled, and the poles would be exposed, and they would carry it by the poles. But if you touched the box, you would die. And one guy did touch the box, and he died on the spot. And then there was the lid. The lid was called the mercy seat. And it had the angels upon it, these cherubim, and it had the the center part, the lid. And the mercy seat was where the Spirit of God would dwell, the presence of God, what was called the Shekinah glory. It was his actual presence. Can you, um, can you go back to the actual, that looks awesome, thank you, that's amazing. Uh, will you go back to the room real quick um, on the illustration? One day a year, the high priest, on the Day of Atonement, we celebrated just a couple weeks ago, the Day of Atonement was the one day of the year that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. He had the blood from the, 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 the lamb that was sacrificed, and he brings it inside, he He does all of his cleaning, ceremonial things, and he lifts up this big, heavy veil. The veil was literally 20 foot tall, 60 foot wide. It was as thick as a human's hand. This is not curtains like at your house. This is a piece of fabric that literally uh, ancient theologians said that you could have two teams of oxen pulling in opposite directions, and they could not have torn this piece of fabric. It was so thick and dense, and they had to lift it up over him, and he would slip in underneath it and drop it in behind him and then he would come in and show me that ark again real quick. He would take the blood and if he was holy, he would live. If he wasn't holy, 
The second he came into the presence of God, where God's spirit would be hovering between these two cherubim, he would instantly fall dead. He had to wear these little pomegranate things with bells on his ankles, and they had a rope tied around his ankle because if he wasn't holy, he would fall dead. The jingle bells would stop, and they had to pull him out, and the number two in line was hoping he was holy. This is a scary day, the Day of Atonement. But when he went in there, he would take the, the blood, the innocent blood of the lamb, and he would sprinkle it, sprinkle it on top, and he would cover the lid, the mercy seat, with the blood of the innocent lamb. And that blood would pay the price for the forgiveness of the people of God for one year. One year. 364 days. And in another day of atonement. And your sins wouldn't actually go away. They would just heap up. Just push them back for another year. Can you imagine? Do you know where the landfill is out here? Mount Melissa? <laughs> the, only, the only mountain anywhere around. Mount Melissa, the landfill. The one when you drive past it, you got to put your air filtration system on because it smells so bad depending on how the wind's blowing. Imagine your sins heaped up for decades. What type of landfill would your life represent? See, inside the box was another three. Three specific pieces of history. Three testimonies. The first thing that was inside of the box was a golden bowl. Can you show me this? A golden bowl that was actually full of manna. The word manna means, what is it? Manna was the way the people of God stayed alive in the wilderness. It was the bread from heaven that God put on the ground every morning. It would be there. They would come out. They would pick it up. They would eat. It was like Twinkies from heaven that had all of the perfect components inside of it and, and they could literally, it sustained, it was the way they sustained their life in the middle of the desert where there was no food. How much food do you have to find for two million people wandering through the desert? That's a lot of scavenging. Jesus, God, provided a way for them to stay alive, not only a way for them to stay alive, but a way for them to live in perfect health. Their eyes never went dim. They never got sick. They didn't age the same way that we age. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't. Are you kidding me? I wish. Well, it doesn't matter if they wear out or not because I keep growing out of them. Um, it's a whole other story. The second thing that was inside was the tablets. The Ten Commandments, God's truth written on stone, five laws that were how you can honor God, five laws that are how you can love people, love God, love people. You want to fulfill the law, what do you do? You love God, you love people. The third was the staff of Aaron, Aaron the high priest. He had a, a staff that was made out of a piece of dead almond tree and for God to demonstrate the power of life that existed inside of him he made a dead stick come back to life sprout leaves and buds and actually produce live edible almonds so inside of this box 
are three specific testimonies of the rebellion, the wickedness, the lack of faith, and the sin of God's people. Three testimonies. Scripture says, out of the mouth are two or three, let every testimony be established. Inside of this box in the holy place that the Spirit of God sat on was the proof of why God should kill all of us. And the only thing that covered it was a mercy seat. And the blood of the innocent lamb spread across on the mercy seat. When Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, Jesus was literally saying, I am the manna, I am the Torah, I am the resurrection, I am all of these things. Watch this, watch this. I am the fulfillment of all of the law, all of the requirements, and I am the eraser and the propitiator, the payer offer of all of the sin that you have and the debts connected to it so that you now have, once and for all, complete and total forgiveness. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you say yes to the way, the truth, and the life, you're saying yes to that massive landfill of the sins of your life being completely wiped away. The Bible says that he throws it as far as the east is from the west and he chooses to remember it no more. The deal that you have in Jesus is a deal that no one else offers. It's not about being unfair because it's the only way. It's about being the only way no one else offers this deal. No one else offers assurance, assurance. Do you? How come none of y'all ride little bicycles around in little white shirts and ties and go tell people about? you have assurance you don't have to earn it you can be this is the unfair part you can be pretty much a half butt slacker and sneak into heaven it's not fair it's not fair other people work way harder than you way harder than me but we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. It's not by works because God doesn't want anyone to boast. See, there was only one type of person that couldn't come to Jesus. It was the self-righteous, arrogant people that were so caught up in how good they were at following all the rules. They didn't need Jesus. They were too good at all the rules. But the problem is that even in their rule following, they couldn't fulfill the whole law. And if you broke one, one dot of the law, you broke it all. See, Jesus said, unless you have a righteousness that's greater than the Pharisees, 
can't enter the kingdom of God. What righteousness is greater? They were the best rule followers of all time. I'll tell you what righteousness. The righteousness that comes by faith through the works of Jesus Christ and not by your own works. It's a righteousness that's faith righteousness in Jesus, not self-righteousness in your own works. Jesus is the way. Guys, it's the best deal there is. It's the best product on the planet. It's the easiest sale there is. Every, every, every other deal is way worse. Now, Joel, are you saying that you can just pray a prayer and you get an emergency, get out of a hell-free card and you'd never have to change it? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your salvation is by faith. But then God goes to work on you. And there's gonna be a moment where Jesus comes to you and says, hey, there's one thing you lack. I want you to fix this. I want you to change this. Go do this. Come be my disciple. Come be my follower. Come be my pupil. Come let me teach you the way. Oh my God. I never really saw it this way. I never really saw it this way. It's not much different than what I said to that 12-year-old kid. I'm going to give you my life. (laughs) I'm going to give you, you like my life? You're in a trailer. Got no dad. Got no money. No one's paying for your education. How about I give you my life? That's what Jesus did for you. I'll give you my life. You can't earn it. You can't pay it. You don't have the pedigree. You'll never get there. But follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. I'll give you my life. See, there's one requirement for salvation. That requirement is humility. It's humility. The opposite of of I'm the man. It's he's the man. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's the everything. My life only points toward him. Father, if you elevate me, I'll elevate you. If you elevate me, I'll, sh- I'll, I'll share your word. I'll, I'll, spread, I'll spread your story. I, my life will be about elevating you. About humility. We live in a world that's all about self. Some people, the only thing they think about is selfies. That's how selfish our world is. Selfies, selfish, selfishies. Ooh, let me show you what I'm eating. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Come on, guys, it's about him. It's about humility. That's why it's... A, that's why, it's, that's why it's the mercy seat. That's why it's the mercy seat. We all need mercy. We all need mercy. The Bible said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Number one way to get mercy, give mercy. You should be the most merciful person. 
most merciful person. Just forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Get everywhere. Mercy, 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 forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Oh, it's way easier. Judgment, judgment, condemnation, condemnation. Drive past someone, side of the road, with a sign, needing help. They could work. They should get a job. I, I don't want Jesus to have that response toward me, right? Mercy, 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 mercy. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Generosity, generosity. I mean, just why? Because that's the harvest I want in my life. That's the harvest I need in my life. I'm an imperfect man. I need a lot of forgiveness. I need a lot of mercy. I need a whole lot of Jesus. And the cool thing, guys, is if you look through your Bible and you look at all the people he picked, he picked some of the roughest, craziest, most rebellious, scallywag people. I mean, you're like, really, this guy? The womanizer? The murderer? The liar? This guy? The prostitute? The The IRS guy? Really? The lawyer? You're going to use a lawyer? Picked, he picked all these people. Massively imperfect. And there was one requirement. Humility. Humility. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You, you are the bread of life to us. You are the way in the wilderness. You are the truth of God to us. You are God's word, God's law written on our hearts, no longer on tablets of stone, but written on our hearts. You are the resurrection and the life. You're the only way to the Father. There's someone in this room or watching online, if you need to come to the Father today, Jesus is, Jesus is calling you right now. The Holy Spirit is beckoning you right now. Just say yes to Jesus right now. Just come to the Father right now. Come to the Father. Receive freely the gift of salvation. Receive freely eternal life. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you need relationship with the Father, this is your moment. Say yes right now. Pray this prayer all across the room with me and all across the world online. Pray this prayer. Say, Father... I believe your son Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I believe he died for my sins. He rose again for my salvation. He's coming again to give me eternal life. Today I make him my Lord. Jesus, I say yes to you. Lead me, teach me, guide me change me. My whole life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, a miracle just happened in your life. According to the words of Jesus, you are born again. You're innocent. You're new. That mountain of sin has been washed away. You have zero sin in your life at all. 
If you're faithful to confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are holy, you are pure, you are righteous, you are new, you are saved, you are going to heaven. You got a whole lot to celebrate, amen? Amen, amen, amen. Do this, do this for me. Do this for me. If you prayed that prayer and you know that today was a day of real decision, you may have tried living for him in the past and got off the path, but today you really, really made a decision to change your life and to live for him and to make him your way, your truth in your life. If that's you, be the boldest person in the room. When I count to three, raise your hand straight up. You're not gonna care what anybody else thinks. I gave my life to Jesus. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm living for Jesus, ready? One, two, three, go, be bold. There it is, there it is, there it is. There it is right there. Somebody over there, anybody else, anybody else, anybody else? That's awesome. One right back over here. God bless you, sir. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, now do this. Do this. I want to pray with you personally. I want to pray for you personally. Would you come right up here and just let me pray for you? You raised your hand. Just come, come right here. I want to pray for you personally. Yeah, come right up here. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody that raised their hands, come right up here. Let me pray for you personally. Come, come on, right up here. Anybody over there? If there's someone over there, come right up here. That's awesome. Thank you. God bless you guys. Come on up. Come on up. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Turn around and face me. Turn around and face me. Can I have some of our prayer team come and just surround these beautiful people? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for these amazing people that have answered the call, Father, to live their life for you. They've given their faith to you. They've given their lives to you. They've put their trust in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to awaken their spirit and their soul. Give them a fresh sense of purpose. Help them to see how you have called them and made them unique and different and special. Father, I thank you that you will give them strength and courage to live for you, to walk in your name, and to be uh, called by you, Father, and to give you glory with their life. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.